This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Here on Voice of Change today, I'm going to be having two amazing guests with me. And we're going to be talking about the maternity ward, about Israel, and a little bit of everything in between. Do you know what is happening in Israel right now? Have you been following the news, maybe the newspapers, maybe the media? Well, today I'm going to be joined later on in the show by Rolene Marks, broadcaster and journalist. She's been with me on the show a few times to keep us up to date on what is happening on the ground in Israel so that we are not misled by any false information or false things that's happening right now as we've said a number of times what's happening on in israel and what's happening on social media is becoming quite a trend so please be aware of what you're listening to what you're exposing yourself to and also that we get everything from verified sources so later on on the show Rolene Marks is going to be joining me to discuss what we are going to be seeing over the next few days these next four days are crucial because hostages are going to be released Uh, there's going to be a pause in the conflict that we see happening right now we don't know what else is going to be happening but please stay tuned to the show so that we can give you some up-to-date information on what is going on and uh, you know just a little bit about what we've been seeing over the last few weeks i know many of us are praying for the peace of jerusalem and are also praying for the jewish people and we need to continue to do that so stay with me for that but first up on the show i'm really excited to be having tracy the adkin from the zoe project with me and uh, the zoe project is an incredible project and we're going to be telling you all about it so stay tuned for that but uh you know tracy has been working in the npo sector for over 20 years with the zoe project working within government maternity units and hospitals within the western cape her background is actually in education and counseling and she's a very passionate woman about women's health and uh, also not only physical health but emotional and mental health and spiritual health as well so the zoe project has been doing the most and has over 90 volunteers working with you know underage moms and moms who just need help moms who are in bereavement and also through education support and empowerment and so Tracy is with me after this and we're going to be touching on you know some of the stats that we read about underage pregnancies and also how we as faith communities can really help and how we can be doing better in this particular reality and so it's going to be a great time on the show today bringing you everything and up-to-date information like i said late on on the show in the second half of the show all about israel so stay tuned until then and trace me with me after this as i promised you earlier on tracy lee is with me and we're going to be chatting about the zoe project what the zoe project does Tracy's incredible passion to help young moms and to help women and uh, how long she's been doing this for. We're going to be chatting about the education. Her background in it is actually in education and counseling, but the education that the Zoe Project does, how it is helping moms. And we're going to be just chatting through that today. Uh, such a powerful, powerful project. And I just love the fact that we are talking about this. So Tracy Lee, I want to say thank you for being with me today. It is just such a joy to connect with you about a topic really that we don't 
don't talk much about supporting moms and especially those in, you know, in government hospitals, maybe they don't have family, they're going to labor. It's uh, There's a lot that you have to consider in that time period. So welcome to the show today and I hope that you are doing really well. Hi, Lauren. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm really excited to chat about what I'm passionate about. So thank you. Uh, it's such a, a pleasure. And with that, you opening up by saying you have this passion. So tell us about the Zoe Project. And it's been in operation for the past 20 years, which is incredible. How did it start? How did this vision get birthed into your heart? And just, just let us into the world of the Zoe Project that has been around for two decades, which, as I said, is incredible. Make me sound a bit older than I thought. Yeah, no, you know, um, everyone, I think, in life goes through things. And I believe that if you either turn it into good or into bad. And so I never started out to um, wanting to do an NGO. It obviously uh, was just a passion of mine. I was a young mom as well. Um, and my heart really goes out for young moms that don't have support. And just education. So I started at Retreat Maternity Unit, which births about 160, 180 babies a month. Um, and just in education, just standing up and having some free time and going and educating on basic things like, you know, how did you fall pregnant? How does it all work? And things like that. So um, the ladies sit there in the morning, right from early, about six o'clock in the morning. And they have to wait for the antenatal and it's a long process. So instead of just sitting, I decided to do some, a little bit of educating. And that's kind of how it started. I had a little bit of time on my hands being in education. I had the holidays and the afternoons and that. And um, just doing a basic educational talk. And from that, I saw, wow, um, these moms are really struggling in labor ward. They were even coming out of the, you know, putting babies in the newspaper and hmm. it's just wrapping them up close to them. And my heart really went out and I thought, no, this is not cool. So my mom started to actually make up little matinee jackets. Those of you who are younger won't know what those are. <laughs> and we made three packs. And that's how it actually started. And then people would say, what are you doing? What are you doing? And um, I think that the main thing, though, was to build a relationship with the staff, to be accountable, to be there, not just to come in, volunteer a little bit and leave um, in a different community and things like that. So over the years, um, it, that has been my motto, is just be accountable, show up and do what you're going to do on a consistency. Um, so, yeah, it's actually 22 years ago and um, – uh, started off then seeing um, counseling was always a passion of mine. So I studied in the meantime. And my very first appointment, they phoned me and said, Oh, there's a young lady here that wants a termination of pregnancy. Can you come chat to her? And I got there and I was chatting. And um, it was quite a, a violent um, relationship. And so I hid her in the car and I took her to a safe home. Uh, just so that she could have some time to think and make good choices for her and her baby. Um, at the end of counselling and that, she decided to go for an adoption. And um, it was quite cool. So mm. uh, she chose the family and what have you. She, while we were going through the process, she said, yeah, you choose the name, you choose the name. So I said, you know, you know, the new parents 
could not, they could choose another name. So we left it at that. And 12th of May, nearly 22 years ago, I was on the way to Mowbray and I was like, wow, God, this is so cool. And at the corner of my eye, I saw the word life. I know it sounds a little bit far-fetched and that, but I was like so stoked. It was like, wow, this child is going to a home. It's um, just a perfect day. So get there. And she actually had a water birth. In those days, Mowbray had a semi-private unit. And I was blessed to be part of that. And she said, no, no, I've got the name. The baby's name is going to be Zoe. So we met the family and baby is now living in South Africa. And I still have coffee with the biological mom. And that is where the name comes from. And it was only months later, somebody said to me, but do you know Zoe means life? And I was like, wow. So that's kind of where it started, um, Lauren. Yeah. Wow. So just being accountable again and sticking and being there for people, I think relationships, that's what God's all about. So I really trust him with with those kind of things. Mm, So beautiful. I actually had goosebumps while you were sharing that story. It's such a divine moment, right, that writes back then and – I think, like you said as well, it's about relationship, isn't it? And it's about building relationships, like you said as well, with the staff that you're working there with. And and also then, of course, moms, young moms. Have you also seen, because we see a lot of statistics every year it comes out where they tell us that, you know, teenage pregnancy is on the rise, young women falling pregnant. Have you seen this as well? Because, you know, you cannot be equipped if you're a young teenager, you happen to fall pregnant and uh, now the world has changed for you. And have you also witnessed this and, and young women coming forward and also sometimes they carry shame or they don't know if they can tell their families. And that must be a bit of a difficult situation as well. They I'm sure need counseling and support. Have you seen this been happening uh, for some time? Mm, you know, it's actually, it's, you know, you hear it on the radio and things like that, but it's true. It's actually mm-hmm. is on the rise. And that surprises me, you know, because everybody says education, education. And let me tell you, they're getting a lot of education, but where's the love? Where's the understanding? Where's the knowledge of how does your brain work? I mean, their brains are not developed until they're 21, 25. And then they, they, the adults expect them to understand everything and also being, uh, meeting with, you know, a little bit of aggressive situations at the family planning centers. But it's not just that. And the law in South Africa um, does not stand by these teenagers. You know, um, the law says under 16, that is rape. But it changes. And it says if you are 12 or over and your partner or, or whatever is only two years older than you and then it's consensual, that's Okay. But, you know, to me at that age, do you actually understand what that means? Um, so if you're 12 and your boyfriend is 14 and they think they are, you know, all happy and everything, then that's okay. You know, to me that's not okay. So what I'm finding is actually the younger boys are actually, you know, forcing themselves on these young girls, younger and younger. It's not just the 20-year-olds anymore that you can see, oh, that's rape. rape." It's not. It's been allowed in the homes as well. And, look, there's a lot of poverty. There's a lot of um, misrepresentation. And it just, yeah, sorry, you got me on this topic. It's really passionate and close to my heart because we have girls 
in our antenatal class, you know, as young as 12, 13, 14. And they don't even realize, you know, even the education that, you know, under 15 is actually dangerous. It's just as dangerous as having a child over 40. Mm. So what we do, we do go, we run antenatal classes throughout the Western Cape. Um, We are in various hospitals. Um, So Mowbray Hospital is the head hospital. They birth about a thousand babies a month. And that's where the teenagers would go. Okay, high risk teenagers, things like that. And under Mowbray Falls, Guguletu, False Bay, Retreat, Hanover Park, Mitchell's Plain. So our vision is to go into all the MOUs and Mowbray um, and assist where we can which God has been really amazing. So we are in all those hospitals in different degrees. We've got about plus minus 90 volunteers now that are with um, the Zoe Project. Yeah, it's really, really exciting. These women, and we've got some guys, counselors and things like that. So what we've tried to do is with the teenagers as well is to go into the schools before they fall pregnant. So we run a project called the Princess and Prince Project. So, yes, mm. we do address the, the guys as well, which is really cool. And, um, you know, to, to explain to them, how does your brain work? What does it mean to belong to a tribe? How does your body work, you know? Mm. Um, and to try, you know, be accountable as well so they can come for counselling. And it's a great success because they're actually on their own, you know, coming to ask questions and counsel and things like that. So, Definitely our birthing companions. Um, so we have counsellors mm-hmm. um, that see you to um, the basic pregnancy crisis, you know, adoption, abortion, um, social, the drugs is a big, big uh, thing as well. Wow. So once we do that, we encourage them to, to attend the antenatal classes. But it's not just about education. It's about bonding, you know, with a facilitator, with other girls their, their own age. And they then they don't have to listen to you know stories like, oh, if you if you eat too many oranges when you're when you're pregnant, your baby mm-hmm. will get yellow. Yes, and, yes. You know, like, absolutely. Oh, they the the biggest one is oh, uh, when you're breastfeeding, you must drink ginger beer, ginger beer, ginger beer, which <laughs> is really all you're going to get is a hyperactive okay. super child. Yeah. So, but yeah, again, it's not about that. It's about forming relationships and being there for them. So, Mm. sorry, I go, I talk a lot, Lauren. No, go for it. (laughs) Teenage pregnancy, definitely on the rise. And to me, yes, education is needed, but what else is needed? We need to get in there. We need to give them hope. We need to give them understanding. We need to give them genuine love. And just having a comment and listening to radio programs is not going to change. You know, we need to go in and do yeah. something about it and show them that they are princesses and princes and that there is something better out there for them and, and it is possible. So, mm. um, yeah, that's, that's how we giving mm. a, a little bit into the community. Yeah. I love that as well because it's a challenge to faith communities as well, I believe, because oftentimes – you know, you hear of young people that maybe even meet in church and, um, you know, happen to fall pregnant. And there's almost a shame to go to, back to their faith community and say, mm. this is the situation mm. because they've always experienced this sort of judgment. And it's not to say that everybody's going to say, oh, it's it's wonderful what you're doing or whatever, but there needs to be an mm. understanding of mm. their situation as well. And then also support. 
and help and mm. assistance. And then maybe faith communities connecting as well with the Zoe project so that they can help people that maybe are in their church community and they don't know because we can't expect maybe church communities or all faith communities to know what to do. But the first thing they can do is love and support and go, okay, how can we further help and support, you know, so that you're not left out on your own. And, and I think that that's a challenge, you know, we should take on board. Yeah, um, Lauren, I totally agree with you. I was actually having this discussion with some of our counsellors. So you must understand our counsellors also, our volunteers come from within the community, which I think is amazing. It's not just outside coming in. We've got uh, volunteers as young as 18, right to like 70. I think I'm catching that. Just that that challenge, the, the, the churches don't talk about sex. The churches yeah. put such a stigma on on the young people. They're not addressing it, and they know it's happening, but nobody's addressing the issues. Mm-hmm. And when, you know, you're very much in the community and you're a pastor or a leader or whatever and your child's all pregnant, do you know what really blows my brain is that the families are insisting on termination of pregnancies with these young girls because mm-hmm. of the shame. And... I've had so many young girls try to commit suicide and things because the family has actually sent them for abortions instead of saying, look, you know, this is what it is. You know, we read in the Bible, I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb, but hell, if it happens to my child, we just make another plan. So that is also going in and supporting and, and you know, it's it's tough. It's tough out there. And mm. Also with the gangsters, you know, everyone's belonging to this and that, and it's 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 tough. So we we need to stick together, and we need to tell the truth hmm. of what is actually happening out there. I love that you mentioned this and that you're raising this awareness today as well of saying that families actually push for termination and for things like that because of shame. But there are other options, and I think. We we really as faith communities need need to get built up. And one of the things I talk about often on my show, and I've had many guests, is talking about sex and and you know the damage that's often caused in our faith communities when they don't speak about certain things or the way that we speak about certain things. You know, and and we need to be different in how we are approaching this. One of the things I also wanted to ask you, and it's another thing that people don't talk about, is is the pain that, uh, and I know this from good friends of mine that I have who have experienced miscarriage, who are actually looking forward to, you know, uh, even them some, you know, maybe not in great marriages or whatever, but they actually really want to be a mom mm-hmm. and, and things mm-hmm. happen and they have a miscarriage and there's so much grief that goes there with that. And they're in the hospital and not many people kind of understand. And that's something that you guys do as well is to be there for the bereavement mothers who may be, you know, give birth and uh, their babies are still born, you know, and uh, women mm-hmm. who have miscarriages and, at any stage of their pregnancy. And that's very difficult. And I think what we don't often think about is the grief that that mom or that the couple feel when that is their reality. And I know this is something that you guys do as well. So tell us a bit about that. Yeah, no, it's it's true. And in our talks, so we do talks um, in front of the antenatal section every day and the minute we come in. And part of our talks is to say, look, you're not the only ones sitting here, you know, that have gone through miscarriages, that have gone through stillbirths. And 
the anxiety. Um, so we do educate. We have TVs up and we actually have some of our counselors speaking about their own experiences. And we encourage counseling. We encourage to come and chat and talk because grief is, is a big thing. You know, and that loss of, of your baby doesn't matter if it's two days. It doesn't matter if it's five months. So what happens with with the, the clinics? Anything under five months, if you have a miscarriage and you're under five months, um, you will go to the day hospitals and to trauma. And then you go home. If you're over five months, um, then you come to the maternity units or uh, the hospital and you treat it a little bit differently, which is sad because it, to the mom, it makes no difference. So that's number one. You walk out um, and you're also birthing your, your stillborn or whatever the situation is in a hospital where babies are being born. So you could be lying right next to a lady giving birth, hearing the baby, and you know your baby has not made it or it's lived for a little bit. So you're exposed to all that. You don't go in a nice little room and you're all by yourself mm -hmm. and things like that. Um, so that is something our doulas are trained for as well. So a doula is a birthing companion, mm -hmm. and we have them in the labor wards, um, in the clinics, and at Mowbray as well. And they are some of them are trained bereavement doulas, and um, just to be there, you know, saying nothing if that's what it means. Mm -hmm taking footprints for the baby, being able to, if the baby's in a, in, a, in a good state, to be able to clothe the baby, to let the moms hold the baby, yeah. to, you know, take something, you know, of the clothing. We make these little hearts that they keep and we've got cards and things like that and then to pass on a counselling uh, for future for, for a number for counselling. So that, you know, they can get on and understand because the first thing that happens is blame. They, they, you know, they're guilty. Oh, they haven't eaten yes. properly or they've yeah. been under stress or they whatever. So the process is very, very important. And I must say I'm, I'm really blown away by a lot of the staff that have implemented this, um, mm. you know, with the feet and the this and the that and uh, prints of that. So I must commend the staff that, that um they do deal with with that, and but it's hard. Our doulas walk away. We're still human, and you yes. can go in and be with eight eight moms. You know, it could be yeah. two stillbirths or two, or then a triplet, or then forceps baby, and then it's mm. so yeah. I take my hat off to our volunteers. They have the most amazing, amazing woman. Yeah, honestly, I want to say thank you so much, you know, to them as well, because it is, it is, it's a lot. And like you said, you're still human at the end of the day as well. And it's a lot that you experience and feel. And it's so, so amazing, all the work that's been done at the Zoe Project. And Tracy, I want to say thank you for spending some time with me today, for sharing your passion, for sharing about the amazing organization that, you know, you birthed. It's a, it's also a 22-year-old now. And, uh, you know, I want to say thank you so much for the work. <laughs> you have, you're carrying this 22-year-old beautiful, uh, you know, and it's uh, amazing. And I want to know, you know, how do people find out more about the Zoe Project? What are the social media handles they can find you at? Or do you have a website where people can just read? Maybe they have family members that need assistance right now, or maybe they're interested in volunteering or just knowing more. How can people get in touch? 
Mm, thank you so much. That's really important. Um, I think the first thing, if you go on to, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we have a web page. So it's just the Zoe Project. If you just type in the Zoe Project, um, you will see all the updates, what we're doing, when the next volunteer. We're just coming to an end with our volunteer program now, but we'll start that up again in the new year. And um yeah, just what our needs are, what they're not, what what's happening with the Zoe project. And if you can just click on that and any messages or you want to phone me, my number is on the on all the, the web pages and everything, but I can give it to you now if that's mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Okay. 073-174-1992. Or they can go onto our uh, email address. It's the Zoe Project at gmail.com. Hmm easy and now you have all the details to everybody that's listening and just go on over to social media follow connect and you know the work is so incredible and it's making a difference in our community in our society and if you care about teenage pregnancy if you care about moms if you care about women you know women's health reproductive health as well connect with the zoe project and tracy i want to say thank you so much for being with me today it's been really really wonderful and i've learned quite a bit from you in this short space of time that we've been together but i also want to say i just pray that god will continue to bless you all the volunteers all the doulas everybody that's involved and that you know everything that you touch will just be turned into good things for the best blessing for those around you. So thank you so much, Tracy, and God bless. Uh, Thank you, Lauren, and thanks, everyone, for listening. And I'm really honored to have had this time. Thank you. It's such a pleasure. Take care. It is so important for us to know exactly what is going on in Israel at this time and also for us to be so well aware of where we are getting our news from, what sources we are paying attention to, especially as things develop in Israel, especially as things are developing with the hostages being released. And so today I am really happy to welcome Rolene Marks back onto the show, who is in Israel and joining us from her bomb shelter today. So uh, we are struggling a little bit with signal, but I am just so convinced that we're going to be able to do this. So Rolene, so good to have you back with me today. Thank you so much for availing yourself, for giving us your time. I know that you're really busy as well. And uh, just a little check-in. I know every day is different and a lot happening every single day. So how are you doing today? Um, You know, as you said, every day is different. I think we all are running the gamut of emotions here from deep sorrow. We are still very much a country uh, very, very, very mired in in, in grief and, and mourning and post-trauma. And we veer from that to to anger, to, to disbelief, to shock. And of course, we're balancing all of this, all of this uh, trauma with um, supporting our army who is fighting a war that we believe is not just for our sakes, but for the sakes of civilization as we face against a brutal and evil enemy Hmm. and you know Rolene so much has happened in the world since you and I last spoke I think we last spoke like three four weeks ago it's gone so quickly and uh, there we were beginning to chat about things but we have seen insane things I just want to say the word insane things happening around the world we have seen a lot of marches a lot of protests we had it here in Cape Town we were gathering for something and then suddenly 
Uh, it didn't happen. We've seen anti-Semitism hugely displayed. We've also seen debates, social media. It's been a crazy world that we've suddenly woken up into. And it's because it's something that's been there all the time. You know, anti-Semitism has been there all the time. And now, you know, we're actually seeing the reality and the truth of it. And how have things around the world, you know, affected people living in Israel? But we also have the positive. We had the gathering in Washington, D.C., which was incredible and so heartwarming. We've had gatherings around the world as well, standing for Israel, standing against anti-Semitism. How has things before we get into what's happening on the ground, how has things outside of the country uh, left a mark on the people of Israel and the Jewish people, you know, sitting, looking at everything that's going on? Uh, it's it's quite a lot to see and to deal with. Well, first of all, I think it's a great question and we feel your prayers. Don't think that we don't notice or feel it because every time you pray, every time you gather, every time you state your intentions together, we feel it here and it gives us tremendous, tremendous uh, stress. You know, we're very concerned about our brothers and sisters in the diaspora, but we are dealing mm. with a very, very different kind of trauma because while we are still dealing uh, with coming to terms of what happened on the 7th of October, we're still dealing with massive barrages of, of rockets towards where we live. As you mentioned, I'm sitting in my shelter. We had a big one last night, an even bigger one the night before. My, my poor husband uh, was on his way to his, his car and, uh, and the interceptions were literally happening above his head. It was absolutely wow. terrifying for both of us. Uh, and, and this is the situation for millions of Israelis. But for us, looking around the world, seeing these marches, we are dumbstruck that people are believing a terrorist organization that raped and mutilated, burnt alive, murdered, committed wholesale slaughter and, and kidnapped our people. And, and they're siding with them. We don't understand this, how people can see uh, Hamas as freedom fighters, that they are taking their, mm -hmm. their, their side, that they believe that this is resistance. Uh, I think it's a combination of two things, horrific, horrific ignorance. Hmm. I call it the zombie apocalypse of stupid, because when questioned, people don't really know what they're marching for. What river? What sea? You know, we we don't know. We just we're just going with this because it's trendy and we see it on TikTok. So hmm. there's that that aspect, and there's the aspect that this is, has given this has given a green light to every anti semite out there to to do um to, to flaunt their hatred it's almost as if they were waiting for a, a green light from somewhere and we've certainly seen it and as douglas murray so brilliantly put it he said every now and then somebody fires a flare and it illuminates things around you. And in this case, it has illuminated who are the anti-Semites. But one positive is that, first of all, we know who they are and can identify them. Mm -hmm. Second of all, uh, it has brought a lot of issues that you and I have discussed over the over the years. Many people have been discussing, you know, the uh, the the same, you know, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, which we have said is a call for genocide. 
That's yeah. very much a discussion point now. People understand that it is a call for genocide and action can be taken. And we have been warning for years about the climate of hatred on campuses around the world. And we've certainly seen the, the vitriol, the venom, the hatred on, on campuses. And it is now in the public domain, what we have been speaking about. Mm. And, you know, Rolene, just yesterday, uh, I was looking back at uh, some of the shows that I've covered and exactly a year ago to the very day, I spoke to Noah Tishby about anti-Semitism exactly a year ago. Uh, I felt like a lot longer to me. I was going back and she was issuing similar warnings and saying that anti-Semitism is huge. And especially we see in America, we see on on campuses in in, uh, different countries, We've seen these things and these warnings have been spoken time and time again. And it's it's kind of like, you know, suddenly I've seen as well people uh, circulating a letter written by Osama bin Laden and now he's been hailed as a resistance hero. And now you've got to sit back and go, has the world totally lost its mind? Because when 9-11 happened, it was branded a terror attack the trauma that people continue to face because of that being in new york on that day what happened and suddenly a couple of years later uh, you know now suddenly someone that was rightfully said it was involved in, in terrorism was not a good human being has suddenly being branded as some resistance fighter that's I mean, what is happening in the world? And 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 it's it's actually crazy. And the events of October seventh have broken open what we are seeing, and um, it's it's been revealed. It's there, but now we're starting to see. And like you said, you know who the anti-Semites are. You know what's happening at this. This is not a new thing to the Jewish people. The Jewish people have always known that this is the reality, but we are now seeing it. And and, and my prayer is that the world is, is really going to open its eyes and go, actually, we're living in crazy times. We have to take a stand for truth and for life and for light. And this needs to happen. Well, I couldn't agree more. I mean, if we look at the events of 9-11 and the, and the events of 7-10, and these are two of the most documented terrorist uh, attacks massacres in the history of the world Uh, we 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 watched with our own eyes i can remember it as clear as day on 9-11 as the Mm. second plane flew into the building we already saw the devastation caused by the first one you know we saw it with our own eyes we have the events of the 7th of october which is the most well-documented massacre in history the hamas were gleeful they celebrated the fact that they were out there to to kill as many jews as possible they 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 captured it all on their body cam uh their their gopros it's it's filmed it was uploaded to to telegram as it was happening and we have horrible incidents of um massacre denial which is just preposterous but Mm. you're absolutely correct i sometimes think that somebody has taken the world turned it upside down and given it a, a a good shape because it's terrifying what we are seeing. And, and a lot of this, I believe, has to do with social media, yeah. which I think is, uh, you know, in, in some ways very good to, to educate people. But uh, but in other ways, it, it is spreading this, this hatred and this invective. And, and I worry about the next generation. We, we really mm-hmm. are seeing a generation of people who are uninformed, who are uh, blissfully ignorant, 
And, you know, it, it's not just about uh, a, a war of Israel against Hamas. This is a war of good against evil. And this is a clash of value systems. And, and I remind people out there that this doesn't end with Israel. We have to be victorious against Hamas because uh, if we're not victorious against Hamas, we give a license to other terror groups and they've stated quite unequivocally, first the Saturday people, then the Sunday people. Yeah. The West is next. Any, you know, It's a war on Judeo-Christian values. And I believe that it's also a war against moderate Muslim values. Many Muslim people who don't want this in their name. And, and, and now we are seeing this uh, this literal clash of civilizations. Mm. And I've seen what's been terrible is seeing people in Cape Town walking in the malls with uh, shirts of the PLO. We don't even need to get into what the PLO is. And if people are listening and don't know what it is, I really urge you to go and Google it. People walking in our shopping malls right in Cape Town with shirts on, with uh, with PLO statements on, with names on, everything like that. This is happening in our city. So don't be fooled to think that there are not things happening in our city and people living here who are involved in in all of these kind of things because we know the South African government just recently what they are doing and how they are treating the situation and you know something that's concerning many South Africans because South Africa is not its government but what the government's doing with regards to Israel is just shocking and upsetting many South Africans and that aside, Rolene, with what what is happening in Israel right now? There's a lot of things actually happening. It's not just Gaza. There's been rockets fired from Lebanon. There's a lot of things happening, interceptions. And there's the situation that we now see with the hostages. So tell us a bit about that, what's going to be happening over the next few days. Uh, a lot of people trying to get to the bottom of the truth of that and what we're going to be seeing with hostages being released. Okay, so first of all, let's talk about the government because the South African government is making headlines in Israel and not in a positive way. Mm. Uh, it, it is dumbfounding that the South African government is not just siding with Palestinians. I think we all side with Palestinians. We all want to see Palestinians live uh, a better life. But they are siding with Hamas, and Hamas is a terror organization, and that is going to have impact on ordinary South Africans. I don't think mm. that the U.S. government other governments are going to take too kindly to South Africa's stance against the, the state of Israel. Mm -hmm. uh, so let's talk about hostages. And, and you said something important. You said many people are trying to get to the truth. And here I, I really want to appeal to your listeners because there's a lot circulating out there. There are a lot of WhatsApp groups. There's a lot of mm. speculation. There are 240 families in agony over their loved ones being held hostage by Hamas. I really beg and plead, and I, and, and I echo what our chief IDF spokesperson has said, what our prime minister has said. Please do not speculate on the hostages, on operations, on where they are on what condition they are in, what's happening with them, unless it comes from official sources like the IDF or the government. There is a lot of speculation. I see a lot of uh, things circulating on WhatsApp and social media. 
it impacts on the families. Mm. It, it's dangerous and it's also very cruel. There's no way we are going to know any operational details on the ground in Gaza that does not come from an official IDF source at all times. So um, please, I really urge people not to speculate, not to share things like that. Hmm. Uh, starting tomorrow and over a period of four days, we expect to have a temporary ceasefire that will see the release of at least 50 Israeli hostages, we believe to be the children and some of the women, in exchange for 150 Palestinian terrorists. Um, as I speak, uh, the Almog uh, Families Association, these are the families, victims of terror, um, they have filed a petition with the High Court to delay this, uh, which is uh, understandable because many of them have lost their loved ones mm -hmm. uh, at the hand of some of the Palestinian prisoners that could be uh, released in the coming days. Uh, there is a concern that a, a ceasefire could disrupt the, uh, the, the, the battle rhythm. You know, and uh, when yeah. we talk about military battles, they, they do follow uh, a rhythm and, and, and could give uh, Hamas an opportunity to regroup. However, we do believe that they've been dealt uh, a more than significant blow to to their uh, abilities. But it, it, it does provide an opportunity for humanitarian aid to enter the Strip. Humanitarian aid has been entering the Gaza Strip on a daily basis. And this will allow us to get more civilians to the safe zone, very important, and it will uh, allow more, more aid in. And of course, our priority at all times is to, to rescue the hostages, and then we will resume um, eliminating Hamas. So, so that is that deal. Hmm. I also want to, to touch on, because it's very important, especially with the South African media, the issue of civilians in, in Gaza and the issue of genocide. Hmm. First, let's talk about civilians because Israel is following the laws of armed conflict and ensuring as few civilian casualties as possible. We do this by phoning them, by setting up humanitarian corridors, by letting in aid, by establishing a safe zone, uh, by dropping leaflets, by making sure as many of them as possible can get to that safe zone. This is in contrast to what we see from Hamas, who have stated a genocidal intent against the state of Israel and the Jewish people, something they have said on numerous television broadcasts. Mm. For those out there, and I know the government is one of them, calling this a genocide by, uh, by Israel, it, it is no such thing. A genocide is a stated intention to wipe out or eliminate a group of people intentionally. Let's also talk about the numbers. We don't have precise numbers of civilian casualties. Hmm. Uh, Hamas throw out numbers. I think the latest they've thrown out is 13,000. They say 5,500 children have been killed and 3,300 women. Notably absent from those numbers are Hamas fighters. Hmm. And we know that we've been killing them in the hundreds as uh, our troops engage with them. We also don't know the division of combatants versus civilians. How many of them have been killed by Hamas and how many of them have been uh, in the way of uh, conflict, something that we want to avoid at all costs. 
and uh, who have been killed by errant rocket fire, if that number is in fact correct. All information of that kind um, is controlled by Hamas in the Gaza Strip. Hamas control the health ministry and Hamas, as we have no doubt gotten to learn the very hard way, are, are working in cooperation with aid agencies. So that brings me to another point, which is also very important, the issue of hospitals. Because hospitals like Antisi, Al-Shifa, have been in the news headlines over the last couple of weeks. We know that there are terror tunnels under these hospitals. We've seen the proof unveiled by the IDF. We know they took hostages into Al-Shifa Hospital, bypassing 11 other hospitals. We know even from an Amnesty International report in 2015 that uh, Hamas used Al-Shifa Hospital as a base for torture and, and, and prisoners. The big question we want to know, Lauren, is how much did the World Health Organization, did the Red Cross, did all these aid agencies, how much... Did they know? There is no way they couldn't have known about the their hospitals being used for these purposes because it's been an open secret since round about 2009. So it's a well-known fact. We even have testimony from a British doctor saying everybody knew. We as doctors operating in our Shifa hospital just knew to stay out of areas of the hospital that were evidently not for medical use. And we just kept away uh, for fear that uh, we could have been killed. So mm. it, it was definitely, definitely a known fact. Yeah. This is important information that we need to understand because, like you said, again, we have a lot of different media sources and news sources, and we have to be very careful where we get this information from. So, Raleen, I'm really glad that you cleared that up for us. And again, I want to stress what you stressed as well. Please not for people to share things just over WhatsApps or, you know, information that's not verified, that you can't find a verification on. Or There's so much fake news out there. We have to be careful. And like you said, it affects the families. It affects those who are waiting to hear on their loved ones. It affects other people who are still dealing with the trauma. It affects a lot of people. So let's be wise citizens, good citizens, and people of integrity who wait to hear official news. So we're not just spreading things. I know the hype gets going and people are spreading stuff. Please don't do that. This is a very, very serious situation that's been dealt with in Israel. And so, Rolene, you know, once these hostages begin to be released and we see the next couple of days, you know, unfold and also there will be a pause in the in the fighting, there'll be a pause in this reality. Is there any sort of sense of what the government is going to then do after that? Is it about, you know, locating more hostages? Is it, uh, or are we just going to focus right now on the task at hand and uh, see what happens? Because like you said earlier on as well, you know, as long as Hamas is around, it's a threat, not only to Israel, but to the West, to the world. And uh, it's something that a lot of people are concerned about as well. And uh, also, I mean, there's different opinions on should the fighting be seized, should 150 people be released, you know, and, and again, like you said as well, families also concerned about who is being released. We want to see the names. We want to know because these people have also killed loved one, ones of ours 
How do you tell what's going to happen? Uh, and there's a lot, I guess, to deal with in this situation. Well, that's exactly that. So the, the the government have said that our priorities are twofold, eliminating Hamas and, and uh, the safe return of all of our hostages. Uh, I, yeah. I think for many of us as, as an Israeli society, we're going to uh, brace ourselves over the next couple of days to see what happens. Uh, I don't think uh, however we get our hostages and whoever they may be back, uh, we're going to have to love and support those families. There will be families who will get some of their loved ones back and some families who aren't getting their their, their, their loved ones back mm. in the next couple of days. And it's going to be very, very, very difficult. Also, we understand that our hostages that we get back are, are, are going to be in a, in a state of, of devastation because mm. because we can't imagine what they have endured over the last 47 days. Mm. Uh, there is a big, big, big focus and concern in this country about uh, everybody's uh, PTSD levels. Mm. Uh, every single Israeli is going through PTSD. Uh, I myself, uh, I debrief at least once a week with a trauma counselor because this is this is how deep our, our trauma is at the moment uh but our, our priority is going to be threefold um helping and supporting uh, each other especially our survivors and those uh, families getting hostages back the uh, other is to see the safe return of all of our hostages and the other is uh, the elimination of Hamas because we cannot continue no. to have a terror enclave living on our border. We want, Lauren, again, to hear the happy sounds of children playing in our kibbutzim, in our villages, uh, in our border towns. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so, so important. So I think it's necessary for us to be prayerful as well and to continue consistently pray and to be there in in spirit as many people are and now we know how to pray as well for israel and for everyone involved at this time and rolene thank you so much for clarifying what we're going to be seeing over the next couple of days and also just reminding us that we have a role to play in you know how we pray when we pray and that we should be praying and consistently just standing for what we believe in as well and being the light in the darkness and from my side and from all of us here as well our thoughts and our prayers continue to be with Israel, the people of Israel, and at this time, everybody that's involved in what is happening from the IDF to the hostages, the families, those affected by trauma, like you said, the PTSD. And uh, just two weeks ago, I interviewed Dana Ohana, whose sister Shani was a survivor of, of the festival and how she hid, and their story was so you know, real that we needed to understand and we still need to continue to pray for people who are still going through that trauma process of debriefing and surviving something like that. And, and what those individuals witness is going to be there for life. But we know that, that we continue to hold them up in prayer. So Raleen, thank you so much for spending this time with me today, for sharing with us what we need to know. And we look forward to just hearing good news coming and again seeing joy in the streets of israel and uh seeing peace come so yeah amen to that thank you so much and please know we feel every single one of your prayers and it holds us up
And I do believe that the light will overcome the darkness and good will defeat evil. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Amen to that. Raleen, take care. And I'm sure we'll chat again soon. Thank you. Again, I really encourage you to know that uh, as Rolene has kept on sharing with me and even off air, that our prayers are needed and our prayers are felt. And so do not give up praying for Israel, praying for the IDF, praying for the people as well affected by trauma. Trauma is so, so deep. Please do not stop praying for the people of Israel and also the Jewish people around the world. You know, anti-Semitic behavior has broken out even in our own country. And we need to see that. We need to acknowledge it. And I know that we do. And I know that we are praying. And I know that we are praying powerful prayers in this time. And I pray that we will continue to do that. My prayer is that we will have more people praying. And that we'll just surround the people of Israel as well as our Jewish friends with love. And Raleen also reminded me to check on your Jewish friends. Check how they are doing. Just this weekend, I was heard from a friend about some Jewish people that own businesses that are now receiving death threats, now receiving threats to their businesses. Normal South African people who have been living in South Africa for a very long time, who contribute so well to the economy, give jobs to so many, and who are people who are just South African at heart. And they've been attacked, their businesses also targeted, and them receiving death threats. Come on, family, let's pray. Let's pray for the Jewish people, even in our own communities and societies. Check on our Jewish friends and know that this is a fight, like we keep saying, against good and evil. And we know that the darkness cannot overcome the light, but the light always overcomes the darkness. And so check on our Jewish friends. Pray for Israel at this time. Be responsible on how you share and what you share on social media and also just intervene in a place of the spirit for what matters at this time period. And so it's always been so good to be with you all today here on Voice of Change. Stay tuned to Radio K Pulpit for the rest of the evening's beautiful, beautiful stories, interviews, music, just to minister to your heart and soul. TC up later as well with the yellow mic and just the wonderful, wonderful way that we love being your daily companion. And so, you know what? Take care. Have a blessed, blessed evening. And until next week when we're joining you for Vision Super, super excited to be with you all next week as we continue to share the vision of the station, share how we can thrive together, how we can sow and reap and what we should be doing in our communities for our families as well and for one another. So look forward to seeing you next week. Until then, take care and blessings of Shalom and Shalom. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.